Hi, it's Julie again. Welcome to Unshaken, a podcast of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church, and I'm really glad you're joining me today. Actually, though, this is not the regularly scheduled episode. This is one of our special bonus episodes inside of our special bonus season that we're giving to you. This season is 12 episodes long, and it's called Unshaken Moms, and it's all of the talks from our Women of the Word ministry called Mom to Mom. Mom to Mom is a ministry that focuses on loving moms, encouraging them, equipping them, and challenging them to do the very best job they can with God's guidance as they mother and care for their children. But hey, before we start into our talk today, be sure you subscribe to our Unshaken podcast on your favorite podcast directory. Our regularly scheduled episodes drop every Thursday, and this bonus season will drop right along with them. So each week you're going to get two throughout these seasons. You can reach out to me at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com if you have any comments, questions, thoughts, you know, anything you want to talk about. I would love to hear from you. Okay, so do you remember when you were a little girl and you had a best friend? Maybe it was in your high school years and you were just always together, like you went to the bathroom together, that close. Or maybe you were the girl who never had a best friend and you always thought my life would be much more complete if I just had that one best friend. It's interesting how we as women long for relationships with other women. And this doesn't change when we are moms. In fact, I would say that as moms, We actually need other women in our lives for a lot of reasons. We need to laugh with them, we need to cry with them, and we need their support. Whether it's physical help or emotional encouragement, friendships and relationships are important. Now today, Andrea Van Engen is gonna walk us through how you and I can cultivate relationships and friendships even in the season of motherhood. ladies here we are the last mom to mom of the year we've toured through the homes and Wendy um, gave us a good recap last month on all of the rooms and now we're in the garden this could either excite you or terrify you (laughs) depending on how you feel about gardening personally I'm ready to get my hands dirty and play in some dirt especially because we were in California last week and there's green grass and flowers everywhere, so I'm ready to get, get in the yard and start doing some gardening. But I'm not going to be giving you gardening tips this morning. What we're talking about this morning is cultivating friendship. You've heard that phrase, friends are the flowers in the garden of life. <clears throat> kind of corny, but it is true that friends can bring amazing beauty into our lives, and they are good gifts from our Heavenly Father. Now, I am by no means an expert on friendship. Most of the time, I feel as if my BFF is my four-year-old. And don't get me wrong, she's a lot of fun. But her bedtime is 8 o'clock, so she's a bit of a drag when I'm ready to hit the town. Seriously, though, friendship is an important topic for women. Why do we come here each month? I suspect most of us come not just for the speaking, as encouraging and challenging as the teaching might be, But we come because we are drawn to be with other women in the same boat as we are. We want to know we're not the only ones struggling in a certain area. We want to maybe even talk about something that's not related to our kids once in a while. There's something exciting and soul-satisfying about walking into a group of people and seeing familiar faces, people who light up when they see you. Speaking generally as women, 
we want to be known and to be in relationship. That's why we're so interested in friendships. But often we are more passive than purposeful in our friendships, aren't we? People drift in and out of our lives as seasons change, as people move here, people move away. Through this, we don't usually pause to consider why we, we pursue one friendship and neglect another. Our feelings, such as having an emotional connection to someone, often guide our friendships rather than God's word. So while I'm no expert, God's word is perfect. So I've sought that for counsel and godly friendships. And my hope this morning is that I we would increase our desire to seek and cultivate godly friendships that honor God. The passage I want to focus on this morning is from John 15. And in the first part of that chapter, there's an illustration of Jesus being the vine and us being the branches. In order for the branches, for us, to bear fruit, we must abide in the vine, in Jesus. A branch apart from the vine will not bear fruit and will be lifeless. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Jesus goes on to say that God is glorified in this, in us abiding in him and bearing fruit. Because apart from Jesus, we can do nothing, especially when it comes to being a good friend. Now with that in mind, I want to focus on verses 12 to 17 of that chapter. And this is Jesus speaking. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of my father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command you, that you love one another. So from this passage, we learn that we are to love like Jesus loves us. This is how we learn to seek and cultivate godly friendships, by following Christ's example. After telling us that we are to love as he loves and that he calls us friends, Jesus reminds us that he chose us. In the first part of verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. He sought us out. Now, how can we apply this to our friendships? Well, before my husband Andrew and I moved here to the Toledo area in 2009, we had lived in Maryland. And it is very transient there. There's lots of federal government jobs, military families, so people are moving here and there all the time. And I learned from friends there, who were used to this kind of thing, that you just dig right in when you move somewhere. You make friends quickly and just get right into the area like you've been there for years. Because if you don't do this, by the time you do make friends, you or they will be off to a new place. So from that, I learned to seek friendships. It takes effort and it can be awkward at times. You risk rejection. But in my experience, I've learned to see what's really important about these relationships and what to value about friendship. One of my dearest friends while we lived in Maryland was Angela, who I met at church. She taught me a bit about this idea of seeking out friends. Her husband and Andrew had the same job, and somehow she knew this before we actually met. So when we did meet, she approached me at church and said, we have the same life. I was like, okay. 
because, you know, it's exciting when you meet someone who can understand, you know, a husband that travels. Um, we were able to get to know each other based on this, you know, common denominator. It was an immediate friendship. We understood what other, each other's life looked like. We were able to spend time together when our husbands were away. It was easy and convenient and truly a blessing to both of us. Not long after that initial meeting, she suggested we go out for lunch, and she sought to learn about me. I remember her saying, tell me your story. She truly desired to get to know me. God does provide these types of meetings of friends. Certainly, there will be friends we meet who seek us out or who seem to fall into our lives easily. But oftentimes, our friends are those we choose to seek and choose. Or... The, friends, the existing friendships that we have are able to grow deeper because we purpose to cultivate them. And the Bible encourages us in this effort. Proverbs 12:26 says, "The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray." So this speaks to the importance of seeking the right kind of friends. Having friends to laugh with and share common interests with is great. But if we want godly friendships, it must go deeper than that. With my friend Angela, we not only had similar lifestyles and some common preferences, but more importantly, we had Christ in common. Hebrews 10:24 says, "And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds." We all need at least one friend, preferably several, who motivate us to serve, help us to grow in godliness correct us, encourage us, and spur us on to a greater desire for the Lord. Do you have friends like this? Who spur you on to serve even when you don't feel equipped? To fight your sin even when your husband isn't fighting his? To encourage you to pray and seek God even when you're struggling to see his answer? Maybe you don't. Then it's time to seek them out. According to Titus 2, the older women are to teach younger women what is good. That is a lifestyle of love and commitment to home and family and to godly character. We should seek friends who are older in spiritual maturity, pursuing women to teach us how to grow in godliness. While it is a wonderful blessing to have friends walk alongside us, it's important to have friends who have walked ahead of us. We need women who have weathered storms and come out more godly to teach us how to progress in our faith. But if we are honest, we sometimes want more sympathy than counsel in friendships. We prefer more understanding, less exhortation, a little more comfort, a little less correction. So instead of seeking out a mentor-type friend, we tend to drift toward the friend who makes us feel okay about our shortcomings, rather than encouraging us to fight our sin. But this is not to our benefit. Charles Bridges, who was an, a preacher in the Church of England a long time ago, he said, Who is the friend who will be a real blessing to my soul? Is it one who will humor my fancies and flatter my vanity? This comes far short of my need. I am a poor, straying sinner with a wayward will and a blinded heart, going wrong at every step. The friend for my case is one who will watch over me with open rebuke, a reprover when necessary, not a flatterer. As Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Do we want this out of our friendships? 
Do we want friends who sharpen us and for us to be the ones sharpening them? I pray that we do. Because if you seek to follow the Lord in your life, your closest friends must be heartily seeking after God. So once we seek out these friendships, or perhaps we've already been blessed with godly friendships, now what? Again, verse 16 says, He chose us so that we would go and bear fruit. To bear fruit in our friendships, we must cultivate them. Some things the dictionary says about cultivating is to foster growth, improve by labor, to grow and care for. In other words, we need to work at our friendships in order to keep them fruitful, and more importantly, godly. It's easy to maintain ho-hum, superficial friendships, but for them to be fruitful on both sides, this takes work. In our backyard, around a big tree, we have dozens of hostas. They take zero effort on my part, but they come up beautifully each spring. So they're my favorite plant, naturally. (laughs) A couple of weeks ago, my kids were playing in the backyard, and they decided that they saw bear claws coming up out of the ground. I thought they were just being silly as they were out on a bear hunt. But sure enough, there really was something coming up out of the ground that looked like bear claws. It was my hostas. I had completely forgotten about them. But now they were starting to come through the ground. That's how little effort they take. They can be neglected, forgotten, totally ignored. But they are still faithful to return and grow well. But this is not so with friendships. They do take effort in order to be fruitful fruitful and grow well. So let's look back at our passage to see how we can do this cultivating. Verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. We are to lay down our lives for our friends. We know that Jesus laid down his life for us. Romans 5, 8 says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And 1 John 3, 16 says, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. What does this look like for us, the women here this morning, to lay down our lives for our friends? I think it can be easy to read this, dying for a friend, and quickly dismiss it by thinking, okay, sure, if a gunman walked in here, I'm happy to sacrifice and take the bullet for my friend. Because most likely, that's probably not going to happen. But give up 20 minutes when I'm on my way out the door to sit and listen to her struggles, or give up the one night I have this week to watch her kids, or use up some of my personal quiet time to pray for her needs, or forgive her for yet again speaking rudely to me. I'm not so sure I'm willing to lay that down. But that's exactly what this means for us. It can be very tempting to think of our friendships as our way to be served. After giving, giving, giving to my kids and husband all day, I'm owed something now. A lunch date or coffee with a friend is time for me to be lifted up, praised for my hard work, and listen to without interruption as I talk about me, me, me. Now that I'm with a friend, I can kind of check out. I don't really have to talk about important things. In no way is this the time for me to ask about her needs or invest in her. But this type of thinking runs contrary to what we are called to do. One way we can lay down our lives for our friends is to bear their burdens. The beginning of Galatians chapter 6 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, 
You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. We can bear the burdens of many different things. Physical issues, financial struggles, emotional hurts. However, here in Galatians, it follows the context of restoring a sister who is in sin. This burden bearing is referring to the burden and the weight of a struggle with sin. But regardless of the burden, how can we bear others or have others help to bear ours if we do not have intimate friends and accountability? This is why cultivating godly friendships is so important. And part of that means being vulnerable and opening up. Why don't we bear burdens more? Because they aren't shared, right? Why aren't they shared? Because of our pride. We must have a heart of humility to form these bonds of friendships so that we can share our struggles and we must invest in one another to do this. Proverbs 17:17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. This past fall, I was surprised one Sunday evening to find out that I needed an appendectomy. And Andrew was out of town for work, out of the state, actually. He was on the East Coast. It was a whirlwind of events, and I saw friend after friend lay down her life for me by immediately offering to take my older kids for the night, immediately meeting me at the ER, then staying there with me until the wee hours of the night so I wouldn't be alone in the ER, which is a scary place to be, coming to pick up my nursing baby in the wee hours of the night so, so that when the surgeon finally decided it was my appendix, coming back to the hospital the next morning to be with me before surgery and taking off work the next day so I'd have a familiar face greet me after surgery and be with me in the recovery room. It was such a blessing to me. All this while Andrew was out of town. I didn't ask for any of it. I really didn't know what to ask for at the time. My friends just stepped in and they asked others to step in. Similarly, we didn't ask Jesus to die in our place. We wouldn't have known how to ask for a savior. God knows what we need. And it often comes in the form of a friend laying down his or her life for us. We are called to be that to our friends. Romans 12.10 tells us to outdo one another in showing honor, which is to prefer the other over ourselves. Um, in our church, many of us are reading the book Holiness right now. It's by J.C. Ryle. And he says something that was so encouraging to me. He said, It is one of the bright seasons in our dark journey here below when we can find a person who enters into our troubles and goes along with us in our anxieties, who can weep when we weep and rejoice when we rejoice. This also reminds me of Ecclesiastes 4 that says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. I've benefited from friends who model this by having been prayed for when fighting sin, encouraged and supported through the loss of a baby, challenged lovingly to trust God with my time when I was trusting more in myself, helped with last-minute childcare, generously given good gifts, wise counsel, and much more. Do we have friends like this? Are we this kind of friend? To cultivate godly friendships, we not only should be laying down our life for our friends, but we should be fighting our sin and seeking holiness within these friendships. And guess what? 
God is so good that he gives us friends, assuming we've sought the right kind, to help us seek that holiness. In verse 14 of our passage, Jesus says, You are my friends if you do what I command. What we are commanded to do is to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, obviously, if we are laying down our life for our friends, that is the outworking of the fact that we are loving our neighbor as ourselves. But even in the greatest of friendships, there is sin. We are sinners in a fallen world, and sin will keep fight, keep to fight, I'm sorry, sin will fight to keep itself firmly planted among friends. For instance, we are easily offended. I think as women, we are especially good at being offended, reading into things, overanalyzing, all that. But 1 Corinthians 13.5 reminds us that love is not easily provoked and does not take into account a wrong suffered. That includes perceived wrongs. I have a friend who lives out of state who I talk to quite a bit, and she and her husband um, started attending a new church a couple years ago. At this church, another couple who was in the same phase of life as my friend sought them out, befriended them, really made them feel welcome at the new church. The woman's name was Sue, and she became a dear friend to my friend. When talking to my friend about how things were going at this new church, she told me there, well, the women are mostly friendly, except this one, who's just a bit different. And she went on to tell me a story of when she first met this woman. There was an exchange about bringing treats for coffee hour after Sunday school initiated by this woman. See, it's usually really silly, right? Treats after Sunday school. Well, something in this woman's delivery or tone or whatever did not sit well with my friend. Over the course of about six months, she told me the story two or three times. Finally, I decided to call her out on it. I pointed out that she was clearly offended by this woman, and perhaps she was hanging on to something that needed to be forgiven. I asked if she had spoken with this woman much since the incident, and she admitted that she hadn't, because, well, she's different, and she's kind of quiet. She brushed it off like it was no big deal that they hadn't spoken. I explained that she was letting this initial offense prevent her from getting to know this woman. I pointed out that maybe what the woman said was a bit snarky or rude, but that she was holding on to this hurt and judging this woman solely on that incident. In that same conversation, my friend told me that her dear friend Sue and her husband were going to be moving. I was sad for her, but I told her, referring to the coffee hour lady, maybe she's your new Sue. And I really meant it. Maybe she is her new Sue, her new special friend. God would totally do something like that. I know he used Sue to help my friend with the transition to the new church, and maybe he would use this other woman mightily as well. It just might be that she needed to be sought after and approached. Think about the friendships that we might be harming or totally missing out on because of an offense that we are hanging on to some misconception or uncomfortable encounter that has shaped our view of a person. Laying down our life means not being easily offended. We also don't always deal well with conflict. When a friend truly has wronged us, we often don't handle it biblically. Proverbs 17.9 says, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, 
but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. I'm sure you've all been on the receiving end of hearing about what so-and-so did or said to their friend. It's amazing how many people we talk to when we are in conflict with someone, but we avoid talking to the very person who we're having the conflict with. Laying down our life means caring more for the friendship's restoration and our friend's good name than feeling justified in being hurt by gaining approval from others. We tend to be jealous and compare ourselves to our friends. Jealousy pops up when we see her husband treating her better than ours treats us. Or we inwardly grin when her kid has a public tantrum after ours did the same thing weeks ago while hers were perfectly obedient. When these thoughts are running through our minds, how are we to weep when she weeps or rejoice when she rejoices? How are we going to be quick to step in with an encouraging word or a helpful hand? Laying down our life means truly desiring the best for our friends, even when we might be suffering. And we certainly find it hard to forgive as readily as we should. Colossians 3 reminds us that as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Laying down our life means not keeping a record of wrong, but instead choosing to forgive our friends, even when it seems like they don't deserve it. The heart of jealousy, comparisons, offense is self. We too often are self-focused. But when I lay down my life, there is less looking at me, and as a result, there is less of that junk that gets in. Those sins don't get life when I don't feed them. And if I'm not looking at myself, but laying down my life, my pride, my time, and my agenda, I don't have much time left for being selfish. Several weeks ago, I was putting away a cake stand that I had been using. Because I was being careless in my handling of it, I ended up dropping it on my concrete basement floor. Of course, the glass broke all over the floor. I was glad to see that at least most of it was in big pieces, which are easier to handle. But you know how it goes. It only takes one tiny little piece of glass to get into your foot and cause all sorts of big problems. Those tiny little pieces can end up way far from the original incident. Barely visible, but certainly felt in your innocent foot. So do we let little things, little sins enter our friendships? The big ones are sometimes easier to handle. They're easier to spot and can be picked up and dealt with quickly. An argument, a complaining spirit, gossip. But sometimes that small sin, that rude comment, that broken promise, that small tension, that unanswered text, that wacky response, it can build up and cause roots of bitterness. And like that small shard of glass that would be easy to ignore, the sin remains and continues to cause problems. So deal with it when it's small. Be on the lookout for small sins that may be hiding in your friendships and work to sweep them up and deal with them before they dig in and cause more pain. And remember how I said that God is good to give us friends to help us grow in holiness? Well, it's true. Sin deceives us. 
We need friends to help us see our blind spots. If we welcome the loving challenge of a friend, we have the opportunity to see our sin for what it is and to grow in holiness. No one is too faithful or too strong to not need exhortation for fighting sin. Hebrews 3, 12 to 14 says, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as, as, long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now, this doesn't have to be a sit-down, scheduled-out meeting where you lay out this huge, heavy exhortation to your friend or vice versa. As we open up to our friends, as we honestly share struggles, it gives us the opportunity to either challenge or be challenged in ordinary conversations. I know that friends have challenged me on trusting God, on trusting God more, being obedient to Him, just through normal, unassuming conversations. It wasn't flashy. It was an honest conversation between friends. But because I was real with them, God prompted them to bless me with truth. If you're wondering how to use friendship to sharpen one another, two ways that I've greatly benefited from is a Bible reading accountability group and prayer partners. It's as easy as emailing or texting when you've read from God's word each day and sharing how God, what God has taught you. Or share prayer requests with a couple of friends on a regular basis. Hebrews 10.24 exhorts us in this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. But it can be difficult to have time to cultivate friendships. So get creative. Trade with another friend or neighbor to watch the kids while you and your friend meet up. Meet after the kids are in bed if your hubby can stay home or even in the morning for breakfast. Schedule phone dates with local and faraway friends. After I moved here and before I got a job, my friend Angela would call me from her office in Maryland while she was on her break pumping for her newborn baby. <laughs> and I think I've done this with Jen too. <laughs> I think I've done that with Jen. And at times I've had weekly or bi-weekly phone dates set up with my sister. So we have to get creative but it's worth it. The effort, making the effort is worth it to grow these friendships. Now finally, from our passage, verse 15 says, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. We are to make known to our friends what we have learned from our heavenly father. A real friend shares what she knows about the Lord and what he's taught her. This can go back to exhorting and spurring one another on simply by sharing with friends what God has been doing and teaching you through his word, maybe how he's answered prayer and the ways that he's been growing you. But it also makes me think of my friends who don't know Jesus and who need to know what my Heavenly Father has taught me, specifically that his son, about his son and the salvation through him alone. Do you have a friend, maybe even one you've known for many years, who doesn't know the Lord? She knows you go to church and all that. But she really doesn't know that Jesus died for her and that she can have eternal life through him because you've never made known to her what you've learned from your Heavenly Father. I have a friend, Megan, who I met shortly after moving into our house here. 
they were having a garage sale, and I could tell by the items in the driveway that they had young children too. So it was exciting to meet her. We had playdates here and there. I helped watch her son a few times. I made her a meal when she had surgery. She knew our Sundays were filled with church and small group. She knew that we didn't drink in excess or use off-colored language. But did she know all that my Heavenly Father had taught me? I knew that if I was to call myself her friend, I should be willing to share what I had learned. Well, I did share with her the good news of the gospel, that God sent his son to die in our place for our sins, and that she could know the eternal security of salvation in Jesus if she placed her life in his hands. I made known to her what my Heavenly Father taught me through a friend many years ago. Megan has since moved, and we don't keep in touch that often, but I pray that she would meet yet another friend who is willing to share what her Heavenly Father has taught her. So how can we do this huge task of loving our friends like Jesus loves us? We can do this because he has shown us how. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. Jesus has shown us what love is. There's no confusion or miscommunication about how we, how we are to love. The expectation and the standard has been laid out for us. We can do this as we abide in him. Like I mentioned before, earlier in John 15, Jesus tells us that if we keep his commandments, we will abide in his love. And we can do this because 1 John 4 tells us that if we abide in him, God's love is perfected in us and that he has given us the Holy Spirit. We can't love our friends like Jesus loves us in our own strength. But God will equip us as we abide in him. Pray that God would deepen your friendships or that he would give you eyes to find godly women to seek out and befriend. And remember that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. So abide in him as you cultivate these friendships, these good gifts that he has given. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for <clears throat> showing us, Lord, how, it, how we are to love and what it means to be a friend. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. And I pray that as we leave here today and um, seek to grow our friendships or seek out new friendships, Lord, that you would, would enable us, that you would give us your Holy Spirit to have wisdom in our friendships and to be fighting our sin as we seek to grow them and point one another to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't it great that God designed us for relationships? Maybe today is a good day for you to reach out to a friend. Maybe invite them over to your house or to a park. Maybe it's time to just follow up with a friend that you haven't talked to in a while. It could be a phone call or a text or a FaceTime call, and, or maybe it's an actual note with a card and a stamp. However you reach out, let's make a decision today about someone that you're going to reach out to. Let's not wait for a friend to reach out to us. Let's start by reaching out to them. Hey, as always, thanks for listening to this special bonus episode in the season. Remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand as an unshaken mom because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.